Welcome to the Improvement Series Season 1. This is a limited series. The next series of podcasts are hosted by my dear friend, John Hazan, an executive coach at Atlas Coaching. Each episode explores a topic of personal development with an expert who shares their experience, learnings, and thoughts and perspectives. Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hokuso Conversation. We hope you enjoy this special series and follow us for some more. Hello and welcome. My name is John. Before I kick off this episode, I wanted to say a huge thanks to you, our ever-growing audience, for your support. On with the episode. So I was listening to a podcast recently with Nims Dai Perjet, the Gurkha Special Forces Operative and Mountaineer, and I was left in no doubt that here was a man who was not short of self-confidence or belief. With that, he had overcome seemingly impossible challenges, and he radiated an aura of confidence, charm, and positivity. And my guest today struck me as a very similar character with a truly amazing story. Pasha Munro grew up in Scunthorpe in difficult circumstances. He came from a poor ethnic background, moving from foster parents, children's homes, and battered wife's refuge without the support of a family. Initially rejected by the Royal Navy when he was 16, Pasha decided instead to go for the Royal Marines. Always wanting more, Pasha then decided to apply for the Special Forces, but failed both attempts. And after a few years of going off the rails, even ending up in military prison twice, and a period of soul searching, Pasha got himself back on track, attending and passing the Royal Marines Mountain Leaders Course. However, joining Special Forces was still his dream. And whilst on a promotion course, he wrote to Hereford to ask for another attempt at selection, and they agreed, despite him being older than the accepted entry age. This time he passed and went on to join the SBS, completing various tours and spending his final two years in the training wing as a dive team instructor. With his 22-year point approaching, he was offered an extension and took an extra five years to go into the swimmer delivery vehicle troop, a specialist diving unit. After 27 years in the military, Pasha left to become a project manager. And today he's part of the directing staff on the Special Forces Experience, and runs his own network marketing company, which helps train and mentor people to build their own business. He also helps mentor people who are thinking of joining the military or special forces. It was a fantastic conversation. We talked amongst other things about getting knocked back and how that builds your confidence, the influence of family and upbringing, the importance of belonging to a tribe, and the importance of finding what you enjoy doing. Also, having a backup plan and what to do when you lose your nine lives. Pasha, good morning. Great to see you. Thank you so much for giving us uh, some of your time today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. Excited about this conversation. Uh, a topic around building and maintaining confidence. That really sprung from listening to you before we got uh, onto this recording, telling me about your story. And it's an incredible one. From children's home to Royal Marine to Special Forces operative, commercial diver, and now running your own business. It's, it's an incredible story, especially you know taking into account the knockbacks. When I heard it, there was this resounding thread of incredible self-belief and confidence running throughout it all. So the opening question, I suppose, would you describe yourself as a confident person? Looking back, I don't think I was. 
and I think the, with that in mind is because you get all these knockbacks, I think the knockbacks make you a better person. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've, se- I've seen people aligned with me who've gone straight up and not had the, the, the knockbacks. Like, I imagine it as a, um, a pinball machine. That's me going up. And I know where I want to go, but to get there, I can't get there because I've got to go left and right all the way up. Where yeah. the people next to me who've gone straight up there seem to they're not as confident and they, they haven't got the life skills that I've been battered left and right all the way up, if you see what I mean. Yeah, that's interesting. So if I've heard you correctly, you're saying that your confidence is as a result of your journey. It's not yes. the other way around. No, no, no. Because from growing up, I didn't have the confidence because I didn't have a father figure. I didn't have the upbringing, which I believe I pass on to my family now which makes you stronger. So it's all the bounces that you've had, or I personally had, that's grew me into who I am. Tell me about some of those kind of key pivotal moments, because I mentioned them in the intro, but expand a little bit on some of those instances that when you say your confidence has grown as a result of these knockbacks, this pinball, I love this pinball image. What are you thinking about when you say that? I think I haven't got many memories as a child because I've kind of, brushed it aside because it wasn't very fun a happy place for me so obviously I'm an ethnic and growing up in that like the 70s and the 80s was quite tough but having said that all my friends weren't and I didn't believe I was so I it was really peculiar because I was hanging around the quote that the white people because I didn't think I was ethnic and then when the people would give me an hard time I didn't understand why they was doing it yeah. And then growing up with my mother, really, weirdly enough, my real father has recently passed and I never, I've never, ever knew him. And I went to meet him once uh, when I was 16, but I'll come on to that later. And I went and met my brother, which I've never really known as well. And I asked him the question. I've got this image in my mind that when my father left, he put me in a vehicle in his boot to take me to Heathrow to kidnap. He was kidnapping me. And I remember, and I don't know if I remembered it, or I, I'm, I made the story up in my own head, because I've got no mother to ask, I've got no family to really ask. And I mentioned it to him, he goes, yeah, he was in the front, he was getting kidnapped at the same time. So we got to Heathrow, I guess, and the police got me and brought me home, but my brother went and he... Oh, really? Yeah, he, he got taken to Bangladesh and, and got left there for a number of years. So his life's completely different. But that, that's where I'm going on that. I've just found that, that out. That's a pivotal I, moment. That is the definition passion, yeah. pivotal moment. And absolutely, because I, when, looking back and realising it was real, is I was a bit claustrophobic as a kid, and I didn't know why. I was locked in a bl- plumbing boot for, like, I don't know, for, yeah. you know, it's quite a long way it. Yeah. yeah. And so, we, are, we are a product of our upbringing. We are a product of our environment. I'm sure that will land with a lot of people listening that, that of course, we are shaped by the experiences we go through. I liked your, your explanation of when you joined the cadets and you said that you felt part of a tribe. Yeah. Tell me about how that affected your self-belief, your confidence. Because I didn't have the tribe in the family. The family wasn't close-knit. So being put into that situation where people liked me and I liked being with them and I liked, you know, playing around, messing around with them and, and the secret part, I liked the water. So that's, that's what I really started to enjoy. And I thought this is me because I started when I was 12 and I pretty much went through all until my probably about 15, 16 in the cadets. And with that, 
after a couple of years in the sea cadets, a few of my friends were in the marine cadets, which is in the same, which was yeah, in the same building. And I actually did want to go in the marine cadets because it looked a bit more fun. But the CEO at the time says no. But having said that, I was out doing the canoeing and the rowing and all that kind of stuff, and I enjoyed being on the water. I was confident, and it was it was a bit of a happy place. And then obviously going home, which sucked it all back out of me. So being in that tribe and being outdoors and and being yeah with that tribe made me feel better. Yeah, That's, it's interesting, Pasha. I was I was chatting with a guest quite a few weeks ago now about the ability to bounce back, and and I'm, we were talking about my experiences at Sandhurst, where we were both at Sandhurst together, and I said something similar to you. I found that I had found my place of belonging. I belonged in the military. I loved the the tribe around me, as you said, and I loved what we were doing. It sounds like you had a similar experience and and your confidence is built on the fact that you were in the right place. You had your tribe around you to support you. You were doing something you enjoyed. Is is that, yeah. Uh, That's absolutely right. And then that's moved on to when I was about 40, well, probably about 15, just before my 16th birthday, we're all looking at what are you going to do for a living, et cetera. And I was going to go to the Royal Navy. And that was where my intention. So I applied just after my 16th birthday because, you know, I wanted to be one of the first people to get a job, you know, and move on. So I went to my local career centre. It was Lincoln. Went there and I met a chap. And, and I don't really know what happened, but he just told me to come back in six months. And there wasn't a reason or, or you know, you're not good enough or it didn't give me any an explanation. So with that, I, I looked on the way out and I saw the Royal Marines flipping advert kind of thing. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. But I went home and then I, I actually looked into it. And it, it looked quite tough. So I gave myself a couple of years, which I had to get myself fit. And then I got a job and I was getting up at 5 a.m., do my running about between five and seven, eight miles in the morning, do the job, then come back and I do the press ups and the sit ups on the evening. And then when I was 18, I applied for the Royal Marines. And then I couldn't go in because my mum, my name, Pasha Munro, she didn't go through the proper channels of changing my name. So so I couldn't actually join because there wasn't a depot. So I had to personally go through that. She just changed my name for the next bloke. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) That must have been quite a blow. I mean, this is, again, this resounding theme in your story, Pasha, about, you know, you, you drive yourself towards something, Royal Marines, Special Forces, and then you get knocked back. How yeah. did you overcome those knockbacks, that confidence in yourself? What did you draw on? Personally, it was just a case of, oh, my word, I know where I want to go. I've got to do this, and I don't care what I've got to do in the middle because that's where I want to go. And it did take an extra six months to go through that system with the, the solicitor, and then and then I went to the, the Royal Marines. You have a weekend, uh, the potential recruits course. Yeah. And they absolutely went down with, and got a distinction, and I came back at absolutely buzzing you know but weirdly on the way down I missed my train <laughs> the, the timetables with the next change was about five minutes or something and I missed it so I turned up in the Royal Marines in the office after all the brief absolutely scared yeah. oh my this is my <laughs> one chance I've missed it and, and I didn't it, it was fine but I, it just inspired me more in the morning to get up early and and just go for it because they're looking at me. I'm not that flipping the, the man that they don't know who I am now. Yeah. They, they, they know my name. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. That kind of it's interesting what's coming across here. And this is something shared with lots of kind of high performances is that drive. You know where you're going. Like you said, it's interesting. You know the destination, but the how you're going to get there. Yeah. Maybe not so clear. 
but and then I joined I joined training and there's a big pivotal point because it was then it was 30 weeks training and at 15 weeks it's like a big test of diff, not necessarily the physical but mental communications this that and that and I actually I, I failed and I got back troops for a month and it was an absolute kick in the you know it was horrible and I was like well I'm gonna have to do it because I'm not going home I've got nothing to go home to and that's it. I joined another troop. I'm like, right, I'm here now. I'm a thing. And I went for it again. I mean, there's a lot of stigma when you go through the training later on, when you go into the units, etc. Did you get back troop? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. So what? You know, and, and it, it, some people get embarrassed of that. I'm, like, I'm not. It just made me a better person. I, I did a month extra if you look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting point, Pasha. And, and I suppose we can't talk about confidence and and success if we don't talk about failure as well yeah Yeah, and and your story is it's wonderfully honest this isn't the story of continual success no tell me about the special forces and and being knocked back and and failure and and how where's your head at when you get knocked back yeah so in 1996 I applied for the special forces uh, and I went in on 97's first selection absolutely fit as anything but because I, I can't hold my weight as in my body weight if I start running I'll lose too much weight and that's I didn't understand that so I went off and smashed myself constantly on the hills but on the test week I just failed because I wasn't getting in on the times and I was there was nothing left of me and a bad decision personally looking back when I don't know if it was bad or not I went on the next selection and did exactly the same right we didn't have time to apply any learnings no I thought no I want this I want this I've seen I've seen a snippet of what I want I want it again and I, I did I did my training, et cetera, but I went back in the summer and it was an absolutely boiling summer and it happened to me again exactly on test week. I'm like, oh. So after that, a couple of years, I did go off the rails a bit because that's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. And I was it was doom and gloom. I went to detention quarters. Yeah. And I, I was a pain. <laughs> yeah, I was a pain in the military. And then we went to Northern Ireland and I thought, firstly, I thought, I've done three island tours. This is my third one then. I thought, how am I going to get out of this? So I was in Ireland at the time and there was a mountain leaders course coming up. I goes, oh, I'm going to put in for that. And my sergeant major was a mountain leader and I didn't have to go and do an equate because he knew I was fit anyway. And he put his name on it. And then I left um, Ireland mid through the tour to go on the mountain leaders course, which that was my next step as in that was the best I could be in the Royal Marines then because it's really high Right. It's looked upon as the toughest course there is. Right. And yeah, it was. It was absolutely, but I absolutely enjoyed it. And I didn't really like the climbing. I still don't like the climbing, but getting out on the hills uh, and I enjoyed the teaching and being in Norway, doing that environment and teaching people how to survive and ski and look after themselves. I really got an absolute buzz out of that and I really enjoyed it. Is this, a, I'm listening to this and thinking, was this a conscious decision, Pasha? I haven't got into special forces. That's where I want to be. I've gone off the rails. Now, what's the best I can be? Or did this just happen to you? Put you on the no, air? No, I was like, I was like, because at the time then I was a mortified control operator, which is, is brilliant. You're up the front and doing it. But at that time, we weren't, there was no operation. So it, it was just exercise and it was yeah. boring. Boring. And that was the next thing. Mountain leaders, everyone looked at a mountain, an ML and thought, Oof you know he's their nails you know and I'm like right that's what I want so you readjusted your sights 
and yeah. set off after the MLs. This is the best I can be right now. Yeah. Right. However, I finished that. It's an eight months plus course, and it is plumbing tough. Finished that, and then was meant to get went, was meant to get married. Uh, it finishes in Easter. I was meant to get married straight away and go to Bali, but then the Bali bomb blew oh. up. It was yeah, yeah. where Remember. it was where I was getting married, <laughs> so that got cancelled. And we ran we ran to Gretna Green and got married. And then I went into the unit. I went to Plymouth into one of the commando units. And yeah, it was great. I was getting people respected me as an ML. They did anyway as a mortarman because that's really a, a valuable job as well. But as an ML, I was so respected. And I was, the officers was talking to me and I was advising them. And I went up to Scotland on a, a particular mountain training and the company mountain leader took the first group up and I took the second group up with the boss and the first group, it started to get a whiteout and it was terrible weather. Uh, we put crampons, et cetera, on. And I just stopped my group and said, right, we're turning back because it was too dangerous and it was it was icy. And we got back to the bottom and the top group, they was losing Bergens and, and people were getting uh, going, going down with frostbite, et cetera. And after that, we went back to camp and I got awarded that good effort from the OC that you took the initiative. You didn't care who was in front of you, i.e. the ML sergeant. And you've looked after the troop and gotten back. So I was, it was brilliant for me because that gave me merit-based promotion really quick. And I was only in ML a year and then I was on my sergeant's course. Right. Which is more validation. I mean, our confidence yeah. is built, yeah. built on validation. Yeah, absolutely. You're doing and, a good and I was job. buzzing. People say absolutely. that. Yeah. So, I love the story of you now. Maybe this is the next step. I, I, it's interesting. We go through this slightly chronologically, but there's a lot coming out of this about going back to SF and saying, come on, give me another go, despite the fact yeah. that you're, you're too old. I love that. That's that's properly necky, back to the SF. What- so I was, on, I, was on my, I was on my senior command course, just about to finish it, and, and I had a bit of a problem with a couple of MLs because I got made up too quickly. So in the room I was staying was with a couple of SBS blokes. I was like, right, how can I get around this? Well, I just write to Hereford and just say, look, give me another chance. So I wrote to Hereford. And they'd come back to me pretty quick because I wasn't a mountain leader. They respected that. I said, look, you, you've got a chance. It's like, brilliant. I'm flipping buzzing. I'm, you know, it's what I've always wanted to do. And then I, was, I had to write back to him and say, look, I'm really sorry. Thank you very much. But I'm too old now. I think he was 32. I'm 33. Like, you completely necky so-and-so. <laughs> you've got one chance, you know, see you on day one. Don't speak to me again kind of thing. <laughs> so the last day on my senior command course, completely necky I went to the mountain leaders branch and said look I'm not joining your mountain leaders course next the sergeant's part of it on Monday I'm going to special forces and and he was like do you realize what you're losing here yeah like, yeah I, I'm gonna do it and he goes but if you don't I'm not gonna bring you back in this that's you you've wasted my time you've wasted a space by going on the senior command course someone else could have taken that so well it's my career and thankfully I, I, I passed <laughs> I was gonna say Pasha when you hear that, and, and maybe this will resonate with a lot of people listening, that's like a, you're at a crossroads. Yeah. You're, you're going to go left or right. But if you go left and you fail, you've also lost your MLs chance. That's all or nothing, isn't it? We're back in the casino, yeah. all or nothing, everything on black. What I did on that as well, even more, Necky, I went back to the same day, I went to the MLs branch sponsor. I went to the Mortar Heavy Weapons branch sponsor. And I said, look, if I fail... The MLs ain't going to bring me back. Can I come back to Mortars? And he goes, of course you can, but don't say anything. So I had that as a backup as well. Nice. So you did have a backup plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. 
And then you got to SF. You had an incredible journey in SF. Again, lots of stuff that happened to you that you were part of. How did your confidence grow through your time in the Special Forces? Was there stuff happening around you that you were able to draw on? I think when you first go through them gates, because I'd done 14 years in the, in the Marines, I was confident and I thought I knew what was on the other side. Completely didn't. <laughs> it was a different world. Different things was happening. And it was so exciting that, does this actually happen? You know, it's amazing. But then, because... I had a, a few years in trouble, kind of, and, and I was a bit too boisterous, as I, I guess. I completely wound my neck in, and I was back to being the new boy. And I was happy with that, and I shut up, and I didn't do anything. I just got told what to do and did it. And that's, that's a massive lesson that I had to put my big pants on and say, you're back to being a sprog. Interesting. And, and, and is that because, you know, here you were, your dream ticket finally had arrived, you didn't want to threaten it. What was your mindset on going back? Well, I, when, I, when I went in there, it was a case of this is it, I'm here, and I don't want to mess it up. And, and when you go in, you're still on probation anyway. So I'm like, I can't, this is it. I, this is what I've done for the last 14 years. I've wanted to be here. Tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it as best as I can. And did that work for you? It did, absolutely. And, and I'm glad I did it that way, because if I went in a bit too, because... The people I was obviously working with, I, I, I was in the military longer than them. So that was a little bit weird. But I had to respect because they'd been here. They know what they're doing. And I clearly didn't. It's the happy ending, Pasha, to a long and turbulent tale that you finally got to, to do yeah. the, the stuff that you'd always dreamt of doing. Did the reality match the dream? It was absolutely chaotic, <laughs> but absolutely brilliant. And because of my family life, years obviously growing up my aim was I'm going to be married going through this and I am going to have a family but I need to get to SF first so that's when I started to have my family where I had two boys and that's where my, my wife started to um, build our family but I never knew them and you know my whole time in the SF I was out out the door gone and that's a bit of something that I you know People listening, you've got to understand that going through them gates, you're not going to have that family life. Yeah, yeah. Which now I've left and moved on, and I, and the children are still young enough where I can, in my mindset, I'm catching up. up they're doing everything I've missed. You know, we're doing, we're, we're out and about. And, you know, I, I want to catch them up, and they haven't lost the love for me, or obviously, and I haven't for them. But I need to be a bit more of a dad. You know, when, when was you that a change? Was that a conscious change of priorities, Pasha? Did you feel okay? I've I've done what I wanted to do. Time to yeah. now change. Time to spend time with family. Or yeah. or did it happen that you know you actually had come to the end of your military career? Time served. It was my choice because at that time I did my whole military career and I did twenty seven years at all in and I could have stayed, but I was like that. I'm, I've had enough. I'm I'm quite tired now because yeah, you're out, you're out, you're out. And if you take your foot off, well, you can't. And that many chances, you know, I've been in so many circumstances that I'd walked away from stuff that my nine lives had, had gone. And one of my last operations, just before I left, I was in a situation where, you know, that last life was gone. And I thought, I can see now, I've had it, I'm walking away from it while I can. Uh, yeah. And that's what I did. And I, yeah, I signed, well, I didn't get another extension. And I thought, right. right, I'm going to go out. Funny in the loft, I thought, when I'm going to go outside, 
I'm going to not do anything like this. You know, I'm, I'm going to be nine to five. And that's what I did straight away. I went into a nine to five job, but it didn't work out for me. It, it wasn't good enough for me. I, I, yeah. There was I was going to say this, this, this will land a lot. A lot of people listening are, are military or, or ex-mil. I myself left and, and went through this very challenging period of transition from a lifestyle, from a direction, from a purpose into you know, a whole new world, Civvy Street, mm. living a civilian life, huge challenges. From With the lens of confidence and self-belief, Pasha, how have you, you've done that move yourself. Yeah. How did you make it work for you? How did you kind of stay confident when so, there were challenges in front of you? It's the build-up. It's the build-up before you leave. It's putting the effort in. Me personally, is the networking. You've got to network. And it's all, I personally think it's about networking. There's people out there who want to talk to you, but you've got to get out and poke them and talk to them. You've got to go to the CEOs, the big businesses, and try and get a, a cup of coffee with them. And then you need your three-minute spiel so you know the way i see it, you, you're stuck in a lift you've got three minutes to talk to that person and tell him how great you are and what you can do for his company and i used to stand in front of the mirror and just go off and do that three minutes do that three minutes do that three minutes because you never know where where you can all of a sudden you, you, you're doing it and, and, and people are getting interested in you and what i used to do as well is the the sf club i used to go there a weekend and just stand at the bar because you're not allowed to stand at the bar on your own in the SF club. So you stand at the bar in London with, on my own and, and people have talked to me and I'm like, boom. <laughs> and, and, and that, I was getting all these cards and, and, and I was doing my network like that. And I'd do it everywhere I, I went then. And, and that's how I got my first job. I was just completely necking, went, went to meet the chat, had a coffee with him and then he invited me for an interview. Yeah, it's so true, Pasha. I, I remember when I was leaving, somebody said two things, never say no to a meeting. Mm. And secondly, Never keep looking because you'll look in one direction and the job will come at you from a completely different direction. Absolutely. And, and, and what I've also noticed is don't take your foot off the gas as well. When you are in the place you want to be, you've got to still network. And it's all about helping others because you can. You've got 10 minutes to help someone else. You can see on LinkedIn, someone's looking this, that and that. Can you help? Right. Yeah, I can. I know. Here's a point of contact. Say, so, give them my name. And, and you don't know when you need to ask that person. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's, you know, that's that's my personal belief is just do what you can for other people because at some point you're going to be asking. Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. And, and we talk a lot in this series about community and the importance of having that support network and what you've just brilliantly described is, is how you build that from the ground up. I, I love your story. I'm going to go and practice in the mirror. I'm going to have a three-minute pitch to myself yeah. in the mirror unbelievably we are in our last four minutes incredible how uh, how hearing your amazing story time flies we always end with an actionable point or two for those listening around the sphere of self-confidence and, and your experience any points any tips whatever you're going to go for make sure it's completely right up there because it needs to excite you. It, you need to be inspired to where you want to be. And you, you've got to put yourself up there because if you want the mediocre job, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be looking at that person who's got that job. I wish, and then you're going to get settled. And then you're 70. You've missed it. You've, you've missed your timeline. Your timeline's gone. You need to go up there, go for it. Now it's now, you know, and the way I look at it, and I know I've possibly been lucky, 
I started my paper round when I was 12 years old. I'm 50 this year. And from 12, getting, I don't know, 50p a week, I'm comfortable now because I've never gone down in wage. It might bite me in the ass at some point, but I'll, I'll flip and put my big pants on and do something else and make, make sure there's something in place. And I've always got things in place as well. When you do get, get that kick in the balls, you've been doing something in the, in, in the side to make sure when that happens, not saying when, if it happens, you've got something to step back and that'll get me by while I go and focus oh, on your backup else. plan. Yes, you've always, always got, have a backup yeah, plan. You've always got to have, and that backup plan's got to be working. You can't have it or it's there, but I've done nothing about it. You need to, that backup plan needs to be running parallel with what you're doing because you never know. You've got to work on that backup plan constant. You, yeah. you just never know what's going to happen. COVID, you might just lose your job because of COVID, and that's not your problem. It's it's the world what's happening. So that that backup plan's got to be parallel behind and but running alongside. Good advice. Good advice. Anything else, Pasha? Any last points? Think out the box. Where you want to go, there's always a way. And if people are in front of you, go round them. You're going to upset them because you're going to go round them and they're going to find out. But be prepared for that because they're not going to stop your career. They're not going to stop your life. It, they might be able to do it for a year or two, but go round them. Put your, you know, you're a bigger person because you want, you want to get above that. Go round them. People are too scared to go round people because they say no. Great stuff, Pasha. Pasha, your energy and enthusiasm is truly infectious. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. A half hour run through Pasha Munro's life. I'm kind of exhausted and energised at the same time. Pasha, thank you so much. That was absolutely fascinating. Very welcome. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Hokuto Conversation. If you've enjoyed this podcast from our limited series, take a look at our previous episodes and stay tuned for our next ones. We look forward to you joining us on this unique exploratory journey.